Welcome to the Keto Lifestyle Podcast hosted by nutritional coach Jessica Tai, where we are dedicated to promoting health and overall well-being through nutrition, specifically the ketogenic diet. We will provide you with all the latest science in nutrition, interviews with experts in the health and wellness field, and answer all your burning questions so you can find optimal health. This podcast is not intended to be used as medical advice and is to be used for informational purposes only. Please contact your doctor with any and all medical questions. Now here's Jessica. Hello and welcome to episode number 56 of the Keto Lifestyle Podcast. This is your host, Jessica Tai, and this podcast episode is going out late. Um, You know, I, I know that you guys have written me before and said, don't apologize for things. This is your podcast, and but I can't help it. So I just want to say I'm sorry that this is a day late. Um, I have been traveling a lot uh, here for the last week. Uh, I've been in three different locations um, in the last seven days and kind of traveling all over the place and really had tried to set this up so that I would get this out in time. Uh, had planned on recording the intro and outro to this yesterday and getting it out there. But you know when you're traveling, things happen, um, internet connections don't come through when you think they're going to and things like that. So we actually, um, I was in Salt Lake City yesterday. So for those of you that follow me on Facebook or Instagram, you probably saw my posts on that. So uh, my husband and I were actually both uh, doing a teaching seminar at at a Keller Williams office out in Salt Lake, which was wonderful. So I started the day uh, and... um, Started that started that out on Tuesday morning for for the office there and did a, a wellness health and wellness seminar and nutritional seminar and then from there uh, my husband taught in the afternoon and he did his uh, six personal perspectives class which is really awesome and um, is just so applicable to any anybody in business especially if you're a business owner it's um, just a really awesome class. But anyway, so that was a lot of fun and the Salt Lake office was incredible and we were just so grateful to be invited out there to do these seminars and and be part of that. So that was really cool. And while we are in uh, the Salt Lake, uh, Utah area, Salt Lake City, Utah area, we have friends that have a place in, well, we have two sets of friends that have places in Park City. So we decided to combine business and pleasure this week and we have uh, we stayed with one friend when we arrived on Monday. Our flight came in to Salt Lake City on Monday, uh, late afternoon, evening. So we stayed with one friend that has a place in Park City. We drove out to his their place and and uh, went out to dinner with them, and that was really fun. Enjoyed that, and then. We drove back into Salt Lake City in the morning to do our seminars and then picked our friends, our other friends up yesterday from the airport and headed out to their place here in Park City. Um, they are in Deer Valley, just at the base of the ski uh resort here, which is beautiful. So that's where I'm recording this from right now. So I would, my intent was that I was going to pick them up from the airport and get this out uh, yesterday, but their flight was delayed. So they were supposed to come in about 4.30 in the afternoon here 
And they ended up, their flight was delayed and then delayed again and delayed again. So they ended up not coming in until after eight o'clock last night. So they were running about four hours behind. So unfortunately, that made it a little difficult for me to record anything last night as I was sitting in the airport and then just the uh, drive out here to their place in Deer Valley and Um, You know, of course, we had to stop off at Whole Foods and get our groceries to stock up for the week um, so we can just get to the fun stuff, which when we're out here in the summer, we love to just hike and and do all kinds of exploring and that type of thing. So we knew we needed to get our lunch items so we could pack our lunches and, and head out on the trails this morning. So I'm up really early this morning here on Wednesday morning, August 1st, recording this and trying to hurry up and get it out for you guys. So um, so I'm not too, too late since I typically release these episodes on Tuesdays. So I apologize again for anybody that was waiting on this to come out yesterday, but hopefully it will be worth your wait because they have an incredible interview to share with you today. For those of you that are familiar with Dr. Adam Nally, he is just amazing. He's a wealth of knowledge in the keto world. I was super uh, honored to be able to uh, interview him and that he agreed to uh, let me do that and come on the show. Uh, He's just really amazing. We are going to be talking about his new book. If you're not familiar with it, it's called The Keto Cure, and it is just an amazing book. It's great. I have read it in print, and I also downloaded it on Audible and have listened to it all the way through on Audible as well and have even gone back and listened to other parts of it that were really interesting. He just shares so much information in this book, and I think it is just a wonderful resource for anyone that is keto. So um, I want to get to that interview with you guys and um, and just uh, go ahead and let you listen to that. And so without further ado, let me introduce Dr. Adam Nelly. Known commonly as Doc Muscles on the Internet, Dr. Adam Nally is a board-certified family practice physician and board-certified obesity medicine specialist with an advanced curriculum obesity treatment and health policy fellowships. He provides his patients a health program that brings a heightened sense of well-being, health, and vitality through a uniquely personalized approach. He treats the whole family from the cradle to the grave and has a special focus on insulin resistance, diabetes, cholesterol, hypertension, and weight management. He also is specially trained in laser skin revitalizations, fat sculpting, tattoo, and hair removal. He is the owner and chief medical officer of Nally Family Practice and the Arizona Bariatric Institute. Dr. Nally is nationally and internationally recognized speaker on health, ketogenic diets, and exogenous ketone supplementation. He is the author of The Keto Cure to be released in April of 2018. And that's what we're going to talk about here today since that is out and it is amazing. He is a blogger on and the owner of DocMuscles.com. He was the co-host podcaster in the internationally recognized Keto Talk with Jimmy and the Doc, a top 50 health podcast available on iTunes. He has served as past president and member of the executive committee for Arizona, Arizona Osteopathic Osteopathic Medical Association and is recognized as a health policy fellow through the American Osteopathic Association. 
Dr. Nally served for six years in Air Force Reserve as a major in flight medicine department of the 944th Medical Dental Fighter Squadron. He also served as a team physician for Willow Canyon High School from 2002 to 2010. After graduating from Grand Canyon University in Phoenix, Arizona, he attended medical school at the Kirksville College of Osteopathic Medicine in Kirksville, Missouri. He completed residency in 2002 at John C. Lincoln Hospital in Phoenix in family medicine where he served his last year as the chief resident. He is a board he is board certified in obesity medicine through the American Board of Obesity Medicine and has completed a 500-hour advanced curriculum fellowship through the American Society of Bariatric, Bariatric Physicians. He resides in Waddle, Arizona with his wife and two children on a small ranch where he enjoys horseback riding, archery, camping, and gardening with his koi and his aquaponics garden and pond. He is an avid reader and enjoys active participation in his church. Dr. Nally, that is pretty impressive. You are a man who wears many hats. So I just want to thank you for your time to be on the show today and welcome you to the Keto Lifestyle Podcast. How are you doing? Oh, I'm wonderful, Jessica. Thank you for inviting me. <laughs> yeah, thanks so much for being on here. So I am in good old Cincinnati, Ohio, where we are in the middle of a typical Cincinnati summer, and we're having a big major thunderstorm here today. And I was thinking of you. You are in Surprise, Arizona, correct? Yes, ma'am. And I think you're probably getting the monsoon that hit us two days ago. <laughs> so my grandparents used to live in Arizona. Actually, they lived in the Tucson area. But um, the monsoons are no joke out there. <laughs> Oh, we had we had two big ones back to back come through. One of them was two days ago, and the other one took shingles off my house last week. So oh, it it, it was it was uh, it was there, they, we had some pretty powerful winds and and dust and all rain all at one time. So yeah, if, yeah, they're they're fun. Yeah. So are you guys back to um, to scorching, sweltering heat now. <laughs> Oh, it's only 107 today. So oh, it's not really? <laughs> so you got a cold <laughs> but we, front. <laughs> but we have this the 47% humidity with that, and it's just, oh, oh the Arizona's That's supposed insane. to be a dry heat, but when it's monsoon season, it's horrible. Yes. Oh, man, I remember that so much. I hate it. I hate humidity, and we deal with that here in Cincinnati um, yes. a lot. <laughs> but, yeah, that is the one thing about being in the desert that you think you escape, but not so much when you've got the monsoons around. That's a whole different ballgame. <laughs> Yes, ma'am. Yeah, it is. It is. Well, I'm so glad that you um, agreed to come on and do this uh, show with me today because I just am so excited about your new book that you have out, The Keto Cure. And so I really wanted to have you on here to kind of talk about that and um, dive into some of it. I've read it like one and a half times now, listened to it on Audible, and which of course Jimmy, Jimmy Moore is narrating, which is great. I've only, I feel like I... Uh, even when I'm not talking to him, I'm talking to him because I listen to him all the time. <laughs> His voice is always in my head. <laughs> but uh, that's kind of scary, right? <laughs> that's kind of it can be scary. That can be good and it can be scary. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love you, Jimmy. But anyway. Oh, he's, um, he's going to send me a nasty email for that one, I'm sure. <laughs> but uh, so I wanted just for anyone that is any of my listeners that don't maybe know who you are, could you tell them a little bit about who you are and kind of um, – why you even arrived at writing this book? Well, yeah, thank you. Um, the uh, I, I've I've been in private practice about eighteen years. I'm in I'm a family practitioner, and about five years into my my private practice, realized I didn't know enough about obesity to do much of anything with the patients and myself, uh, who was also struggling with 
being overweight by about 65 pounds uh, more than I am today. Um, my father was a type 2 diabetic that rapidly progressed to insulin dependence, and he weighed about 400 pounds when he died at 58. Yeah. And so the challenge became that his labs and my labs looked identical in our early 30s, and and I was looking and, and feeling a lot like about 85% of the patients that come to my office asking for help, and I, and I didn't have answers. So I went back looking for answers and ended up going through obesity training and did a fellowship in obesity. And in the process of doing so, uh, realized that the, the culprit is not fat and it's not calories, it's actually hormones and, and insulin. And, um, and that, was, that seemed to be the prominent factor in everything that I saw with what was happening. So um, I decided to try this that, that at the time, the crazy Adkins thing that, that would lower the insulin and um, lost 65 pounds in six months and went, oh, there's something, there's going, there's something going on here. Yeah. So I realized that when that happened, um, I had to understand what was occurring scientifically, physiologically. In order for me to be able to prescribe that, I needed to be an expert in, in, in what that was going on because that was exactly opposed to what everyone else around me is saying. And if I sent somebody over to the cardiologist and and they told him, well, Dr. Nye told me to eat a bunch of fat. Then I had to understand why and I'd be able to explain to the cardiologist what we were doing from a, a, a physiologic perspective. And so I've literally spent the last 14 years of my practice um, trying to understand more and more about the hormone effect of our food mm -hmm. and what that does to us, uh, what it does to our body. And essentially, the keto cure is a conglomeration of 14 years of clinical experience and what I see and the science behind um, all the different diseases, and I call them the diseases of civilization, that arise when your diet is 85% starch or carbohydrate. Mm -hmm. And so um, that's really what the book is. The book talks about insulin resistance as the underlying culprit behind a lot of these diseases and, and the role it plays, mm -hmm. and, then, and then how modulating that affects you know, 15 or 16 different diseases. And so that's kind of the, the short short of it, um, but in in but it's been a, a really exciting adventure for me because it's it's dramatically changed my health and the health of my family, and the health of thousands of my patients. Oh yeah, for sure. And and now thousands of thousands more people that that you I mean you can't see everybody, so this is a really great way for you to be able to get this information out to the masses, so to speak. That then they can hopefully take this type of information to their doctors. <laughs> And exactly. things can start changing, so that's it's awesome. Um, I so I love I love so many things about the book, but one thing specifically uh, that I wrote down I wanted to talk to you about is in the beginning of the book, um, early on, you say, um, and this is I didn't write down the whole the whole quote, but you say health is a lifestyle, not a uh, you say health health is a lifestyle, a mindset. So can you elaborate a little bit on that? Like, what do you mean by, I mean, this is kind of near and dear to my heart. It's why I named this podcast the Keto Lifestyle um, instead of talking so much about diet. But so what is it about that, that what are you trying to, or what are you hoping that people understand about that? Well, one of the things that I've learned both personally and professionally is that, um, you know, our lifestyle plays a huge role in what we do. And, and um, health has to be uh, a lifestyle. It has to encompass not just the physical, but it also has to encompass the mental and the spiritual and the emotional. All those pieces have to play together. And one of the reasons that I wanted to understand how diet affected us physiologically um, was because it's not, you know, the, the term diet, uh, for whatever reason, um, I always, whenever I hear the word diet, the first part of that word I hear is die. And, and because when I tried to diet multiple times with very, I, I tried, I think I tried just about every diet under the sun myself. And I felt like I was going to die when I, when I would, was going through those processes. And this is the only 
lifestyle approach that I made that actually really made me feel good. And I thought, this is sustainable. I can do this for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. And really what you have, you know, in what you have to rec- what I what I had to recognize and what a lot of my patients have to recognize is that, and this is one of the scary things that's, that we see, and, and as an obesity doctor I deal with, is that 95% of people who lose weight, even those with a ketogenic diet who lose weight, um, will regain at least 50 to 100% of that weight back within two years. Yeah. And, and that's a scary statistic, but it's it's the truth. It's what It's what we see over and over again in the studies. And if it's not a lifestyle, and it's just a diet, that's the first culprit is you're going to regain the weight in two years no matter what. But if it becomes a lifestyle, it becomes a part of you. And so that that then motivates you to incorporate the other pieces that allow you to be in that 5% that doesn't regain the weight, if that makes sense. That's so totally, that's, that's, yeah. that's really why I use the lifestyle term. I love that. I think that's really good. It's awesome to just let – I feel like we, if we can get the mindset – changed and people can look at this or whatever way of eating that they're doing as, um, you know, that fits into a lifestyle and things that they are changing, like you said, spiritually, emotionally, you know, you look at the movement piece, the sleep piece, the stress piece, you know, all of that stuff together. And they're creating a lifestyle for health, not a diet to lose weight or whatever it is that they're, um, you know, going for whatever they're looking after, you know, to get, to get, out of why they're changing the way they're eating. Exactly. I mean, I, I, go ahead. <laughs> no, go ahead. <laughs> oh, I was going to say, you know, I, I, the, 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 and I hope you don't mind it, just as I share a little anecdote. I uh, had a, I, I'm reminded of what really drove this home with me is I reminded of, of a sweet patient that saw me literally for two years straight. Mm-hmm. Um, and she, you know, she, she said, I'm, I'm following the diet, Dr. Nelly. And she lost about 20 pounds initially. And then for literally the next you know, 15 to 18 months, she didn't lose a single pound. But yet she came and saw me every single month. And finally, after two years, I, I looked at her one day and I said, why do you keep coming and seeing me? You haven't lost any more weight in the last year and a half. You've only lost 20 pounds. And she had another 75 or 80 pounds to lose. And um, and um, she sat there for about three minutes and just stared at me. And I could see tears rolling up in her eyes and I knew something was coming and I realized, oh, this I'm in trouble. So I sat down and I'm sitting there waiting for her and she literally took her about two or three minutes. And so finally she said, Dr. Nelly, I've never told anyone this, but I, I was abused as a child. And um, and she said, and the only thing that ever brought me comfort was ice cream. She mm-hmm. just said, so for the last 30 years of my life, I've, I've at, at three o'clock in the morning, I wake up and I go down to my freezer and I pull out a pint of ice cream and I eat it. And I've been doing that for 30 years straight. She says, I've been lying to you. I never put that down on my, my, my food journal. She said, my family has no idea. I covertly will go to the grocery store and buy this ice cream and sneak it into the back of the fridge and no one knows it's there. And she says, I've been doing this for 30 years. And she just burst into tears. And I was, I was bawling going, oh my gosh. And, and so what, you know, our diet, even though we change our diet, if we haven't changed our lifestyle and we haven't addressed the, the spiritual or the emotional or these other pieces that are, that may be broken or may be injured or may have problems, then we have to address those. So mm-hmm. she, she and I talked about what had happened, and she said, you're the first person I've ever told this to. I've never told anyone this before. She was not, not even my husband knows this. And I went, oh, my gosh. So we so we talked about it. We talked about addressing it and the, the various approaches that we could make and, and the things that we can do. And so we made some simple ad- changes, and we, we looked at uh, using, um, in her case, a medication she felt was a- appropriate. Mm-hmm. Um, and she came back in the next month. She had lost another 10 pounds, and she continually lost the weight. Um, mm-hmm. But we have to address all the different pieces of our life. Just changing the food that goes in our mouth doesn't always solve it. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I'm that's sorry. so I'm good. I, I off love on an anecdote off. with that, but that's yeah, but yeah. that powerful stories that you see. Uh, it's it's amazing. Yeah. It is. Thank you so much for sharing that. That is, uh, yeah. I'm sure that. I mean, there's definitely parts of that that resonate with me. I'm sure there's parts that resonate with uh, with listeners. It's man, that is so so important. And food really does become for a lot of us. It's this very it's this very sacred thing, and it becomes. Uh-huh. Um, so wrapped in so many different emotions. It could be guilt, shame, comfort. Um, there, I mean, there's just so many things that we can kind of wrap in with our um, different foods. And it's really, really important to work on that piece. I totally agree. Really and uh, that can be a that can be a lifelong thing that you work on. You know, it, it, it can, and for many people, it is. Mm-hmm. So that okay. Well, that. Uh, wow, that's just a really, <laughs> I, I mean, when, as you're telling that story, you know, tears are welling up in my eyes and I'm hair standing up on my arms like, oh man. And that's just, that's, that's really what it's all about though. And I'm sure for you, it's those moments that just, you know, make you know that you are in the right place doing the right thing. It, well, it's powerful to be a part of someone's change and to help, to help people move down that path. That's, I mean, that's yes. one of the reasons that I, I became a physician is to try to help people do those kind of things and, and make really big steps that, 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 that change lives. And, and so, mm-hmm. and, and diet is huge. It's a big factor and it's, it's one of the, but the amazing thing is it's, it's so rewarding to see what, what, what can happen when you, when you find the right dietary approach and you understand what's happening and you know how to, you know, how to help people do that. Yeah. And one of the things that you talk about, so I guess maybe this will kind of lead us into your uh, nickname, which is Doc Muscles, <laughs> that, <laughs> that is kind of out there in uh, your social media. And I learned about through listening to you and Jimmy when you were originally on the Keto Talk podcast with Jimmy. And um, man, you're just such a wealth of knowledge. I learned so much from you and listening just to you on there. But one of the things you say in your book is you can't outrun or outlift a bad diet. And I love that. And I think that's so important for people to understand. And it's so counterintuitive, or at least it's not what we're taught, especially when we go to the gym and we work with a trainer, or if we go to a dietitian and they'll tell us, you know, you need to eat this amount of calories and make sure you're burning this amount of calories. So uh, what what is it about the about this ketogenic approach to food that is different than this kind of thought that most of us have of this just you can just outlift or outrun your your weight issues or your any kind of food issues you're having well, you know, for years and years, and, I, and in fact, I had patient. I had patient today come in saying, "Well, Doctor Nelly, I'm, I I don't know if I can lose weight because I'm not exercising." And we've been brainwashed into thinking that we have to exercise, and that's the end all be all of 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 weight loss. Um, I have the 65 percent of my practice is over 65 years old, and um, a lot of them have pretty significant arthritis or other problems that make it hard for them to exercise at all, mm-hmm. yet they can lose weight when they change their diet. And and so um, it's not exercise. Uh, exercise mm-hmm. plays a role, and it does have a, it does have a legitimate role in, mm-hmm. in the process. But but the first thing that has to change is the diet. And the reason is, goes back to the, the first chapter in the book, essentially, is is insulin resistance, or the first couple chapters where we talk about where how insulin resistance plays a role in, in the Essentially, insulin resistance is a, a, a massive overproduction of insulin by the pancreas in response to starches or sugars. And so I tell people in my, cl- in my office, 
you know, it's as if if I give you a piece of bread, you should produce a slice worth of insulin. But if if you if you have insulin resistance, and I give you that piece of bread, your body may produce 10 to 20 times the insulin in response to that piece of bread. So your body with that one piece of bread thinks it ate two loaves of bread, and it will respond as if it did. Mm. If you eat a bowl of ice cream, it responds as if you ate the whole five gallon drum. If you eat a bowl of cereal, it's as if you ate two boxes of Captain Crunch. You know, so your body is responding with this enormous uh, amount of, of insulin. And that that driver is is what makes it so hard to outrun it or outlift it. You can't mm-hmm. you can't outrun or outlift you know a, the the five gallon bowl of ice cream if you if that's what you're eating every day. And so that's part of it. And I, I, some people still kind of cock their head and go, huh? So I tell I tell other people otherwise. I say, well, um, I said you know, I said if you're a, usually it's a, a man or a woman and it'll be in the room and I'll and I'll say, well, think about it this way. Uh, you know, turn to your spouse and, and your wife and, and tell your wife, just concentrate really, really, really hard, honey, and don't have your menstrual cycle this month. <laughs> and she laughs and he laughs. And, and I said, okay, that's hormonal. No matter how hard she concentrates, that cycle will come because that's a hormonal response of the female body. I said, same thing as if, if I give you a piece of bread and you produce 20 times the insulin, that's a hormonal response. And you can't outrun that. You can't outthink that. You can't mm-hmm. outlift that. Um, and so that, that oftentimes one of those two, um, anecdotes will, will help people go, oh, okay, it's, this is hormonal. That's how powerful this is. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you can't just calorie restrict this away. This, this is a hormone response. And if we don't modulate the hormones, you won't see the change happen. Yes, absolutely. That's so important to understand that. And it can be really complicated, I think, for people um, that don't have an education in nutrition or um, physiology. They, they don't understand. It's, it, can be, it can be a little overwhelming. And they can feel like, okay, well, how am I ever going to keep all these hormones straight? And what does this one do? And what's that one do? And, and what am I supposed to eat? And how am I supposed to do this? And so we have, like yesterday, um, I was at an event that I was ended up talking to to this uh, gentleman who owns a he owns a, a tennis and racquetball uh, club in our area and um, was talking to him about kind of nutrition and stuff like this he had approached me with some questions and one of the things that he said to me is well I recently got he's 38 and he recently was put on statin drugs from his doctor he's got about 60 pounds to lose he says said and um, his doctor said his uh, cholesterol is just too high and so he has to be on the statin drug and so he was asking me about some suggestions of things he could do and um, you know if I could come in and kind of uh, work with his staff and him and on all this type of thing because he wants to be you know, he wants to be a good representation to his clients and what they're trying to do there in this in this fitness club. And um, so I was trying to talk to him a little bit about some of the things that, uh, you know, that I believe and I know to be true. And when his, you know, he was just like, well, I can't even believe this. Like, you're telling me that I can eat fat, like, but, but isn't that going to make things worse? And that's one of the things that you talk about in the book is um, that you're you talk about a lot in the book is these diseases of civilization, and one of them being like elevated cholesterol and heart disease and things like that. So, um, so why is it that I, I know it's I know we just talked about it's hormonal, but but why is there a way that you can explain to people listening that that could maybe understand that there is there's not this direct connection with whether or not you eat bacon and whether or not your cholesterol is too high 
Well, there there is, and, and and that was really the reason for the first chapter of the book was to talk about the uh, the, the politics behind nutrition. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you mentioned that that for for the layperson it's hard to understand nutrition. For the educated person, it's hard to understand nutrition too. <laughs> That's very um, true. <laughs> you know, even even for those of us who've spent years and years of our lives doing it, there's a there it's still very very challenging. Mm-hmm. Um, the what what's what happened and this is where again when it becomes a lifestyle and when you start looking at um uh one of the things that that you you i one of my one of my mentors taught me that you know it, you can't be an expert in a field unless you actually understand the history behind the field mm-hmm. and uh I, I i that always fascinated me so one of the reasons i when as i started studying the ketogenic lifestyle was looking at the history of where how do we get where we are today and how did history play a role and the history is that we took a, a scientific, a couple of times scientific experiments and um, made some extrapolations without actually proving that they were ever true. And one of those is that if you eat fat, your cholesterol, you're, you're going to have a heart attack. Mm-hmm. We know that if you eat a large amount of fat, your total cholesterol will go up. Mm-hmm. But total cholesterol is not related to heart disease. Uh, nor is LDLC, which is the next measurement that we learned in the 60s. You know, we can measure your LDLC and that must be the bad cholesterol. Um, we extrapolated that if your LDLC, the bad one, the small one, goes up, that it, that directly correlates with heart disease. Um, we never actually proved that with science. We just showed that in a percentage of people when the LDLC went down, that a percentage of people had fewer heart attacks. And that's all we showed. But we didn't show a direct correlation or causation. We just showed this 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 um, this uh, concomitant uh, sign that was there. But because of media and because of politics and a number of other things we talk about in the book, we made this large jump saying, well, if I eat fat, I'm going to have a heart attack. And, and and we all assumed that was the case because the government gave us this wonderful food pyramid that said fat's bad. And and the government must be right. Um, so the um, that's where we – and that's where we made this jump. And so but yet when you go back and question why did we do this and you look at history, you realize we just – there's nothing that actually proves that. So when we start looking at science and the, the recent science in the 80s and 90s now show that – a, a high LDLC, which we've all been told is bad, actually correlates with, the, with an increased lifespan. Um, you don't actually see um, more death; you see a longer life with a higher LDLC and a higher total cholesterol, mm-hmm. which which totally slaps in the face the other you know, the other thought process. So so there are what I what I tell people, and, and unfortunately that's not easy to do for some people who just think fat is bad or have been taught for 50 years that fat's bad. But it it really comes down to under, understanding the education. Why did we get where we are? Where do we make a mistake? And, and, and so what, what, is, what really actually does the science say now t- that we, we know is true? Mm-hmm. And what we're starting to see is that um, you know, it, j- if we eat fat with, with uh, uh, carbs, which spikes the insulin, the presence of a high insulin and fat together are bad. Mm-hmm. We've learned over 50 years that if we take the fat away and we leave the insulin high, we still have disease. We still have hypertension. We still have diabetes. We still have heart disease. But if we take away the, f- the, the carbs and we lower the insulin, you can have all the fat you want mm-hmm. and you actually get better. And that's, that's, that's what we're starting to learn now. Yes, that, that, yeah, that's exactly what I work really hard on trying to help <laughs> educate people. <laughs> and it's, uh, it's, it's hard, but I totally agree with that. And what you learned from your mentor there is that if you, the, it's always part of every, um, every, every seminar that I give is, uh, giving a little bit of the background, the history as to why, because I feel like if you can help people kind of understand how we got to where we are, then they can start to see why maybe that uh, why the whole thing kind of starts to unravel, 
And because yeah. I think it's really hard because we have been told for decades and we grow up believing that fat's bad and cholesterol is bad and, and, uh, you know, not realizing that, even realizing that our body makes it. I mean, how many people just think, oh, well, I, I don't want cholesterol, I, so I better not eat saturated fats with, you know, without understanding the real truth behind how our bodies work and even knowing a little bit of it, you know, once you know, you can't unknow it. So a lot of exactly. people start really thinking about it and kind of mulling over some of this stuff and being like, wait a minute, this, maybe that's not true then either. <laughs> Well, my, my wife came from a background where her mother was a home ec teacher, you know, in high school. And so fat was the demon. And, yeah. and it was and and uh, and it took my wife literally a year and a half to wrap her head around the fact that you can have bacon and butter and it's OK. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and so it, uh, it, it was it was one of those challenges that it, it takes you a while to let your brain kind of work through this to go, OK, how does this really work? Um, yeah. But. But we all get there. Right. And then, then there's some people like this gentleman I was talking to yesterday was really funny. I, I know him uh, personally outside of this event that that we were having there at his at his facility yesterday. But he says uh, then he goes, OK, OK. He's like, so so tell me, what, just tell me one thing. So then what should I be eating for breakfast? What do you eat for breakfast? What do you give your kids for breakfast? And I said bacon and <laughs> eggs. And he goes, bacon and eggs. He's like, hold on. I'm going to go get my wife. Will you tell her this? <laughs> So some of us are just waiting on permission. <laughs> oh, oh, totally. And usually we have to get it from our wife. That's the, that's exactly. what I see commonly in my office. Is um, I, I'll tell I say I want you to have an omelet or bacon and eggs or sausage for breakfast. And, and and the husband always turns and looks at his wife, and she's over there going with this deer in the headlight look, going what? <laughs> right. And then he's probably wagging his finger. I told you so. <laughs> All these years, woman. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah, because my husband calls me the health CEO of the family. You know, it's like, for the most part, that is kind of the way it works. The, the wife kind of dictates what everybody's going to eat. And so if we can just get the moms on board <laughs> yep, and exactly. the wives on board, then everybody else is going to be like, all right, I guess if mom says that's what we should do. <laughs> so we're talking about the, um, so you talked about the insulin resistance and um, a few other of these kind of diseases of civilization that you talk about in the book, which I think pretty much anybody that's listening out there is going to have that's going to be affected in one way or another either personally or someone they love someone very close to them in their lives by one or many of these diseases of civilization that you kind of go over and you talk about you know why um, keto is very helpful for these different things why things can change uh, when you change up what you're eating and, and take away the starches and the carbs and a couple of them are really interesting to me because I am certainly not an expert on on these things and I get these questions a lot and the first one that I was so excited to see that you talk about is gout <laughs> so, and I know that you, I've, I've watched you on your YouTube videos and, and whatnot, where you've talked about gout before, and I have never seen or heard anyone explain gout and, and uric acid levels as well as you do, and why it is not about these, uh, about fats and red meat, as many of us are, are believe that it is, or have believed for a long time. So can you talk to me a little bit about why gout is affected by keto and, and, you know, kind of the things that we can do to help that issue Oh, absolutely. Out? Absolutely. And you're very kind. Thank you. Yeah. But, um, the, uh, the, the gout is the, uh, it, 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 let me, well, let's back up for a second. Gout is, um, 
a, a precipitation or, or a, a formation of crystals inside the joint space of the large joints of the body. So your knee, your big toe, um, I'll have, I've had people I even have it in their, their hand or finger or wrist or even an elbow in some cases. Um, and what happens is these crystals, they're, they're literally like, um, they look under like um, under a microscope, like uh, double-sided needles with you know points on both sides. Mm. Um, urate is the uric acid, and um, what again history tells us that you know as we look back, saying well where does urate come from? It's uric acid that would come from the 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 breakdown of purines, which is found in you know pork and ham and things of that nature. Mm. So people naturally said, well it must be the pork, so you got to stop eating pork and red meat because that's where this urate is coming from. Um, and that was our gut our gut response was stop eating that and the gut will get better. Well, mm -hmm. it, it doesn't. Um, that's the problem. What happens is you have this conglomeration of kind of this perfect storm of an elevated uric acid, uh, dehydration, and a high insulin spike all at one time that changes the pH of the joint space. And I don't know if you did it when you were a kid, but when I was in, I think it was first grade, we actually took sugar and we put it into a glass and we warmed the water up until we could actually hyper uh, dilute sugar or salt even uh, in a glass. Uh, because the water was was warmed up or was was boiled, mm -hmm. and then we dropped a string into the into the glass and let the glass let the water return to room temperature overnight. Mm -hmm. And well, the crystals as the form. Crystals form exactly. Yeah. So what happens? It's a really cool experiment. And yeah. my kids went, Dad, that's way cool. Um, <laughs> so I thought it was cool. And my you know, and so so if you've never done that, it's actually really funny. Well, that's what's happened in your knee. You warm up a joint. Um, you increase the level of urate, and then all of a sudden you rapidly decrease the the temperature of the joint, and you get dehydrated. And now all of a sudden you have formed crystals. Well, these crystals, because they're double-sided needles, they are really, really painful. And they'll cause the knee to swell up, turn red. And it's so painful that even having the sheet touch your toe or your knee will literally light you up and you have to peel you off the ceiling because it hurts so bad. Mm. Um, it's really, really painful. So um, what was interesting that I found was in practice, because I wasn't even thinking about gout, was as I started putting people on a ketogenic lifestyle – um, and, and I had people who had either kidney stones or gout, uh, and their uric acid levels were high above 6.0 is the measurement we look at. And that's kind of the cutoff. We know that when you're, you're get your uric acid level in the bloodstream is higher than six, you're at increased risk for either gout or kidney stones. Um, all of a sudden, when I put people on a ketogenic diet, their uric acid level would drop by over a point. And I went, well, that's weird. Huh? Um, and, and all of a sudden they stopped having kidney stones and they stopped having gout. And I thought, well, that's the strangest thing I've ever seen. And it kept happening over and over and over again. So I thought, I thought well, I got to figure out how this happens. How, how is it when I actually give people bacon and butter and fat and pork and, and you know, protein, mm -hmm. red meat specifically, and I take away their carbs, how does that happen? Well, it, it, it's not the purines that's what's happening. What happens is that when we remove fructose and alcohol uh, from from the, the diet, mm -hmm. uh, those two those two chemicals are processed in the liver, and the byproduct of fructose and alcohol at the same identically is uric acid. So you see, so if I give you a sugar molecule, which is one half glucose and one half fructose, I'm now increasing your fructose and increasing your uric acid automatically just by giving you sugar, and so or fruit juice or um, you know, I juiced, you know, somebody, somebody tells me, well, Dr. I, I juiced all my oranges and well, you know, you, we just ramped up your fructose level really high right. and your liver has to process that and it's going to produce uric acid because of it. And if you happen to drink your orange juice and then go out and mow your lawn and get dehydrated and your insulin's up because you had extra biscuits with your gravy, you're going to, you're going to have a, a gout attack. 
Um, and that's what ends up happening. So to make it simple, that's the, a really simplistic explanation of it. But that's essentially what's occurring is we're, we're seeing a rise in uric acid, not because of the meat, but because of increased fructose or increased alcohol being metabolized in the liver. And then the byproduct of that increased uric acid presence in the joint spaces. Mm. And hopefully that makes sense. Oh, that totally makes sense. It really, really does. And I'm 100% certain that there are people listening. I mean, I get that question a lot about gout, and I have learned what you just said from you, <laughs> and <laughs> and I am able to answer those questions for people, but um, that I'm 100% sure there's other people listening that have not reached out and asked that question, and now, hopefully, that makes sense to them, because I think you explained that beautifully, and that totally Thank makes you. sense. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So um, another one, because you are talking about another uh, part of the book and, and one of the diseases of civilization that is um, very interesting to me and one of those things that I uh, really kind of dig into and try to learn more about myself is non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, which oh, is yeah. epidemic um, now. And so um, we were talking about the liver and how it has to directly process fructose. So can you kind of talk about a little bit about non-alcoholic fatty liver and why why we see this is on such a rise right now? Oh, absolutely. And, and hopefully I'm not breaking up. I, hopefully the connection's good. Um, yeah, you sound good. The, uh, okay, good. Uh, the uh, the, the, I was actually in a lecture uh, six months ago, and, and one of the leading hepatologists or liver specialists in the world was actually lecturing at this at this and uh, this conference, and he actually stated that um, they are afraid that non-alcoholic fatty liver disease is going to surpass hepatitis B and C um, in the next five to ten years in its predominance. And the problem with fatty liver disease is it progresses to non-alcoholic cirrhosis, which is just like alcoholic cirrhosis. Mm -hmm. It's almost identical. Um, and then it, it increases dramatically the risk of liver cancer. So mm -hmm. we have cirrhosis and liver cancer risk on the rise, not from alcohol, but from from carbohydrates, and from mm -hmm. starches. And so just, it's, and the reason again is, is similarly, your, your fructose, which is one half of a sugar molecule, is processed identically to alcohol in the liver. So. I can give you alcohol and cause cirrhosis, or I can give you fructose and cause cirrhosis, and we're doing the same thing. And if and so the problem is that we're we're driving the liver to try to to metabolize, um, uh, you know, nature's candy at, at a rate that it was never designed to metabolize. So um, that's where this this big predominance comes from. What happens is that the byproduct, as we said, one is uric acid, which leads to gout and kidney stones. Um, another byproduct is that the nitric oxide level drops. And you actually get blood, high blood pressure because of it. And the third issue is that you, um, we see um, uh, a, a dramatic increase in triglycerides uh, production, and so the liver starts to layer itself with its own fat, with with triglyceride or fat. Mm -hmm. And so we see an enlargement of the liver. We see what's what looks like fatty liver on the, an ultrasound, so it's called fatty liver disease. And um, and then it, and if it's not stopped or it's not halted in its progress, it will progress to fibrous changes where the liver no longer can function and the cells decay. And, and you now have a liver that's supposed to filter out the toxins in your body that no, no longer can. Mm -hmm. And you go into fulminant liver failure. And so what, that's one of the big worries that we're seeing is that we're seeing more and more. Um, in fact, I saw uh, this week, I've seen probably 10 people in my office with elevated liver enzymes because they're having McDonald's for lunch every day. And, and it's, uh, or, or Burger King, or they're, they're, high, they're high carb, high fat meals together that are causing them to um, to, to have this 
overproduction of, of triglyceride because of the high fructose and, and um, uh, metabolism in the liver. Mm. Wow. Yeah. So just because you brought it up, I, I kind of am curious what your thoughts are on this. So you say that you're seeing people that are going and having like Burger King or McDonald's or whatever, and they're eating this high fat, high carb meals. So um, how do you talk to people about, and I don't, I don't really know what they call this, but I know there's um, like dirty keto or lazy keto or, you know, all these <laughs> types of things. I don't know. I don't know which keto it is, but, um, but where people talk about, well, all you have to do is make sure you get your fat high and keep your carbs low. And if that means driving through a drive through for every meal of the day, as long as you don't eat the carbs, you're good, you're good. So kind of what's your take on that? And, and, you know, where, how do you kind of coach your, your clients, your patients that see you on, on how they should be doing this? Well, that's a good, that's a good, it's <laughs> a good question. Um, or do you? I mean, maybe you don't I, really I, I, tell I, them. I, no, I actually, I, well, I do. Um, <laughs> the challenge I find is that if you listen to all the wonderful podcasts that are out there, um, and, and many of my patients do, they come into my office in tears that they can't afford grass-fed food at every meal and they can't afford all these things, and so mm -hmm. they just give up. And and what I tell people is, uh, look, um, uh, food is food. Uh, now, if you're if you're buying the um, soy burger from you know. The, the the fast food restaurant that's not real hamburger so we need to we need to make sure we're getting real meat mm -hmm. um is it going to kill you if you're going through a, a, a drive-thru and you're getting a, a lettuce wrap burger no but if the, you're doing that for every meal it's probably going to be an issue because a lot of those things are not necessarily real meat or they're not being cooked in in animal fat they're being cooked in vegetable fat so your your fats are going to be a problem mm -hmm. um what i what, what i tell people is this um, start with the basics. Basic number one is you want to lower the carbohydrate intake. Uh, number one, but number number two, you want to you want to make sure that your protein and your fat content um, is appropriate. Now, in the first one, two to three months of doing a ketogenic diet, what I've found with most of my patients is they can literally have all the fat they want, and they're still going to lose weight. Mm -hmm. but once they fat adapt, that what that means is that their ability to absorb fat becomes dramatically more efficient. So if they're eating 80, 90 percent fat at month three or four. That, that fat will go from the gut right into the fat cell. It has to enter the fat cell first before it can be processed in the liver. So that fat cell will never shrink. And they'll, and they'll, all of a sudden their weight loss will halt and they'll hit this plateau. And they'll go, oh, which happens almost routinely at month three for most of the people that I see. Um, that's when we start, have to start educating people on what's, what is really a high-fat diet. Well, the definition of a high-fat diet is 30% of your fat comes from – 30% of your calories – comes from fat. Mm -hmm. Well, if you're eating red meat and bacon and eggs, that's a, that's you know those are all one to one foods where it's it's a one to one ratio of protein to fat. That's seventy percent fat. Mm -hmm. um, so so what we start to have to educate people is if if you're adding extra butter and bacon and things to to your regular meal, you're actually adding too much fat on board, and that will become a problem. So if you're following a dirty keto diet, it might work for the first month or two, but it's gonna it's gonna fail after that. Mm. And that's that's kind of the the short run, because what's happening is you're putting you're putting too much fat and, and fat of not a, a good quality into your system, and it's going to cause you to halt probably after the second or third month mm -hmm. if it's weight loss is your goal. And if cholesterol is your, you know lowering your cholesterol is your goal, you're going to see problems with that too. Um, you'll you'll probably see problems with with changing blood pressure and things of that nature. Mm. That's really great. And yeah, I totally agree with you. And I have seen that um, personally for myself as well, is the um, the need for the amount of fat in the beginning before I was fat adapted was much greater. And I can definitely have definitely been able to pull that way back and really not even think about it anymore. It's just just 
you know, you just eat, you just eat food yeah. and everything's fine. But, um, but definitely, I, I definitely can see that. Cause I think I went, um, a little bit to, I've been in keto about a year and a half. And I think in the first, um, year I probably went a little too long with the higher fat ratios and, um, you know, didn't weight loss was not my goal, um, to begin with, but definitely noticed changes in body composition. I'll say when I kind of pulled back the fat a little bit and just started eating what I wanted and, you know, to satiation and, and not uh -huh. worrying about trying to pile it on. Yeah. Well, you know, 14 years ago when I first did this and I, I literally ate a pound of sausage and three eggs cooked in butter for breakfast every morning. <laughs> I had a double, I had a double burger wrapped in lettuce from, from the, the burger joint at lunchtime. And then I would have some kind of a steak and salad at dinner. And I lost 65 pounds doing that. And all of a sudden then my weight loss, it halted. Mm -hmm. um, and I still had, you know, 30 pounds I wanted to get rid of. And I couldn't figure out what, what the world's wrong here. So then I, uh, what happened was through trial and error, I realized that it, I was actually taking way too much protein and way too much fat. And I, initially I thought it was protein. Mm -hmm. um, and, and as I backed it down, I realized it was partially protein, but it was also fat because once you become fat adapted, your body is able to very efficiently absorb that fat and it will go into the fat cell first and then you have to be able to call, call it out. So if you want to shrink that fat cell, um, you're still going to be eating a high fat diet, but your fat's not going to be 80 or 90%. It may be 70, it may be 60, it may even be 40% mm -hmm. fat, depending on how, how fat adapted you are and how what, and what type of food you're eating. But but those once but that's that's the second phase really of, of the ketogenic lifestyle that that I find is is um, really effective for for patients that I'm working with. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of people are still stuck in that you know bacon you know bacon it to everything and fat bombs and mm -hmm. you know adding extra butter to everything. And all, all of us go through that phase because we realize I can eat all the fat I want. It's great, and mm -hmm. that fat is very satiating. But then we realize that it, we, we now have to start changing up the diet and listening to our body's hormones. Yeah. And I, you know what? I, I kind of feel like, I don't know, maybe you kind of saw it this way too, Dr. Nally. I'm not sure. But for me, I felt like um, there at some point along the way, I like you said, I definitely went through that phase of, man, just I can have all this fat. Are you kidding me? Like, And not <laughs> only am I not gaining weight, I'm losing weight and I'm eating like all the bacon I want and all the butter I want and, you know, whatever. And then at some point it just got to where I was like, you know what? I really don't want all that anymore. Like I'm, I'm just, I'm very satisfied on a lot less than what I was eating and what I was, you know, so excited to get away with, so to speak. Well, what happens when you turn insulin back down to normal is that, um, you start being able to hear your own body's satiation signals. I couldn't hear mine. I, I guarantee you I couldn't hear mine. And it took me probably a year, to, uh, maybe two years to be able to really realize I'm actually full. I don't need to eat the 16 ounce ribeye. I can have a 10 ounce, mm -hmm. you know, and, or I, I don't need to eat extra cheese on my burger. I can just have a, a patty and wrap it in lettuce and I'm, I'm full. Mm -hmm. um, but, it, but it took me about a year and a half and it takes a lot of my patients uh, a few months at least and sometimes a year to really understand, okay, I think I'm full now. My body actually says, well, I don't really feel like I need to eat that. And so there's this learning curve for a lot of us um, mm -hmm. that, and for a lot of my, especially with my patients, there's a, a notable learning curve where they, they come to a point where they, they enjoy the food, they, they become fat adapted, and then they all of a sudden realize, oh, okay, I actually am full. This is what it feels like to be full and not to be hungry. Or or like I haven't had breakfast um, and it's uh, 2.15 and, you know, here my, where mm -hmm. I'm at now. And and I haven't had lunch yet, and yet I'm I feel great, and I'm mm -hmm. you know podcasting away with 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 Jessica, so it's it's great, <laughs> um, and and so and 
but which is amazing because I never, ever could have done that before. Yeah. And there's something so freeing about that. I mean, that is maybe my one, it probably is my very favorite thing about this lifestyle is just once you get that stuff dialed in and you, you just don't obsess about food anymore. It's not, yeah. I still love food. <laughs> like, oh, I do You know, it's like I still really thoroughly enjoy my meals when I eat, but I'm not running my day around when I'm going to eat anymore. And I totally was that person. You know, I mean, we would, I mean, if we were planning a vacation, I needed to know where we were going to go eat for pretty much every meal of that vacation. <laughs> so, like, or, you know, is there a, is there a grocery store nearby where I can go stock up, you know, wherever exactly. we're staying? Like, I was just so fixated on that all the time on, on just food. And I, I don't know, I almost had this like, um, feeling like if, or, or if I, if I had food, it was almost like I have to eat all of it because I'm, what if I don't get any more of this or what if, you know, kind of like the scarcity mentality all the time. And it's, it is so amazing to not feel like that anymore and just be like, you know what? I'll eat when I'll eat, when I eat, no big deal. And when I eat, I'm going to really enjoy whatever it is that I eat. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Well, and, and you, you, you're now able to hear those hormones and I, 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 I'm convinced because of what our gut does and the hormones that our gut produces, because there's a bunch of hormones that produce there, mm-hmm. that they affect our brain and they affect the way we, we interpret, you know, hunger and cravings. And when we when we've balanced out the gut hormones, when we balanced out the hormones coming from the liver and the pancreas and the and the fat cells, all of a sudden now our brain is is sensitive again to those those to true hunger and true thirst and, and those mm-hmm. kind of things. Yeah. It's an amazing it's an amazing transformation for sure. So you have just been a wealth of knowledge on this on this episode as well as in the book, um, once again, The Keto Cure. So um, can you kind of tell my listeners who are just just as enamored as I have been and they're just like, man, this, <laughs> this man is great. I need to learn more. Can you tell them um, where can they find out more about you, your social media stuff, your webpage, all that awesome stuff? Well, you can always find me at docmuscles.com, at docmuscles.com. Um, that's my handle across just about every internet site there is. Um, it, it, you can Twitter is at docmuscles. Um, Facebook, it's uh, at docmuscles on Facebook. It's also on Instagram, I think. Mm-hmm. I think uh, YouTube, it's doc, Dr. Nally, Dr. Nally. Uh, that's my YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. Um, but that you can find me just about anywhere. If you if you type if you just Google search Doc Muscles, you'll I think they'll be the first thirty hits will probably be my stuff. So um, <laughs> you'll 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 find me there. Yeah, that's but everywhere at the Muscles. Awesome. All right. Well, that uh, you've just given us some great information. I really appreciate that. Oh, and before I let you go, do you see? Now I know you are a practicing physician in Surprise, Arizona. So if there's anybody out there, of course they could look you up. Um, are you accepting? Uh, patients now or how's that work how does that work absolutely yeah it's um in my practice is myself and two physician assistants um that are with us here um and they can find me here uh if they're in arizona easily i actually do um uh, telemedicine uh visits uh there's some caveats state by state in regards to regulations and requirements so mm-hmm. um some in some many states i may have to see you at least once a year to to to, to do those or to have those visits but those are some things that i can do as well so okay. um but uh, yeah if you it, the, all that information's on my website if you go to docmuscles.com and click on work with me uh, you can see how, all that information there Okay, that's awesome. Well, thank you again, Dr. Nally, for being here today and again just sharing all this awesome information with us. Oh, thank you. It's my pleasure. Okay. Have an awesome day. You too. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
Okay, well, that's today's show. I hope you guys enjoyed that, and I hope you will get to the Keto Cure and look into that further. And just a quick reminder, this is your final opportunity to sign up for the online restart class that I am going to be teaching here in just a couple of weeks. I'm so excited to talk with you guys live. Um, through a Zoom chat room and be able to teach this class and get to know you better. So um, if you are interested, please go to my website, www.jessicatai.com, where you can sign up for that class. You can go to, um, you can just click on the restart class button there and it'll take you to the class, to the information where you can put in uh, your contact information and go ahead and sign up and do that sooner than later. I need to go ahead and get the materials out to you because I am providing you with the meal plans, the shopping guide, a journal, and a cookbook. So I want to be able to mail those out to you. All right, so um, go ahead and do that. And if you have uh, more interest in learning more about uh, Mr. Duck Muscles himself, I will have all of the links that we talked about that he shared in the show notes. So be sure to check that out. And I think that's all I have for today, guys. I look forward to talking with you again next week. Have an awesome first week of August, wherever you are in the country. And we will talk soon. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Keto Lifestyle Podcast. We hope that you enjoyed what we share with you today and are looking forward.